everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Don't Worry, It's Confidential. <sighs> I think spring is finally here to stay. Knock on wood, literally, because we can't have... We can't have it go back to winter. Please, please, please. I hope everybody's having a beautiful week so far. hope everyone's feeling healthy and happy. And if you're sad, that's fine. If you're not feeling your best, it's also fine. But I am wishing you the best. I guess quick weekly updates. Got my first sunburn of the year. (laughs) I was out at a park for a couple hours on Sunday and the sun was hot guys the sun was strong and I got my first sunburn so don't forget to wear your sunscreen everybody because I never remember I've been walking around my new neighborhood and going into random thrift stores that I see or vintage stores that I see and I've been having amazing luck I found a lot of really great stuff lately I bought this like white vest, uh, like sweater vest that was like in perfect condition and this like really pretty red like going out top, which I feel like is a very rare find in the vintage thrifting world. Usually it's like more t-shirts, which is 90% of my closet, maybe because of that reason or maybe because I love t-shirts, but I would definitely recommend get back to thrifting people. I know, I feel like the pandemic has made us even more lazy when it comes to shopping and we've just become online shoppers. And obviously there's like Poshmark and stuff where you can buy like vintage used stuff online, but there's nothing quite like just going out and searching and and finding something good. So this is my reminder that thrifting is the best way to reduce your footprint in terms of clothing and fashion and it's super cool and super satisfying and economically intelligent so definitely go do that and you can listen to the podcast while you thrift like I always have either music or a podcast playing while I'm searching through clothes so that's something that I've done this week what else have I done I've been working quite a bit uh still recovering from my cold you can probably still hear it haven't done the best job in getting a lot of sleep which is what one needs to really fully recover but that's okay I've been drinking all my supplements and currently sipping on like a lemon ginger tea with like cayenne pepper and turmeric it's very spicy but delicious and I you can just feel it like burning away (laughs) all infection hopefully okay so today's episode it's a solo so it's just me this whole time just gonna be vibing out together just me and you talking all about therapy so I thought this was an important one because we haven't really had one where we just simply speak about therapy and I also kind of did it as a little like celebratory marker for myself as you guys know I always like to have these like kind of celebratory episodes (laughs) I did like a birthday episode I did that all I've done um I guess that's basically it (laughs) but anyways so the reason it's celebratory is because I started being a therapist a year ago I mean I did my placement my final year's placement with the private practice that I am working for it's my final year of my master's so I did like from September to April with them but I was seeing like very few clients I was supervised it felt like different but April last year I started working full-time with them and started seeing like four clients a day sometimes less sometimes more and 
I thought it would be cool to talk about one year later what I'm feeling, what it's been like. But overall, I've absolutely loved the experience. It has been so much learning, such an honor to be working with people and seeing them through their journey. There's been some people who I've seen for almost a year already and like other people who I've seen for a little bit of time and then they take some time away and come back. And it's been just so amazing seeing people progress and people grow and take things away from our sessions and have realizations. It's been like absolutely the coolest thing ever. For those of you who don't know, I work with university students mostly. So with a private practice that I I work with. Um, They send me university students all over Ontario. So I see people not just in Toronto, but all over Ontario. And I work primarily from a cognitive behavioral therapy perspective, so CBT. Um, But I also bring in other stuff. I, I like to bring in aspects from a lot of different modalities that I've learned in school or from reading because I think that every person's different and every situation and problem is different. So it's good to, to have flexibility, in my opinion, with the modality and, and not kind of being dogmatic to one thing, but instead being flexible and listening to what your client needs in that moment. Because everyone's different, as I said, but also their needs change, I find, throughout the process of therapy could come in starting needing one thing and then another problem comes up that needs something completely different or maybe like the true reason that they wanted to come to therapy wasn't even aware to them until we started talking and and once we we talk we get a little bit more of a chance to uncover those other reasons or or real reasons for struggling okay i thought the best way for me to do this to make it so that you guys get the most out of this would be to answer your questions so i posted questions on my Instagram. I basically did a question box saying like, ask me any questions you want to know about therapy, about my experience or therapy in general, or questions you have that you've always wanted to ask a therapist. And I got actually a lot of questions. So also in the future, I'm definitely going to do more of these. So follow me on my Instagram. Uh, Don't worry, it's confidential so that you can participate and get your questions answered. And yeah, let's get into them. Okay. So why don't we start off a little bit with resources to find therapists. So a couple different people ask that. And what I always recommend for friends and stuff who are looking for a therapist is just going on Psychology Today. So this is a website that works all over Canada, all over the U.S. and maybe other places. Oh, okay, wait. It really is all over the world. I'm looking at it now. Canada, U.S., Mexico, U.K., Denmark, Spain. Okay, full, like a lot of countries in Europe. Argentina. Wow, I didn't know that you could. That's amazing. I love that. So, yeah, this website's amazing. Basically, I'm registered on it and everyone who I know who's a therapist is registered on it. And what you do is you can filter for your city as well as for costs, as well as for insurance coverage and maybe a type of therapy. If you're interested in, in, in a specific type of therapy, you can filter for that. And then you can find different therapist profiles and read about their approach and sometimes people have links to websites and it tells you the price and all these kinds of things. I'd say most therapists offer a 15-minute consultation for free so you can get in contact with them and set one of those up and I think that's super important in just kind of seeing if that person feels like a good fit before committing financially because I know therapy can be a big financial decision for a lot of people so I think it's really nice that that most therapists offer this 
I think a big, big thing with finding a therapist is finding the right fit. A lot of the time it can feel really overwhelming to think about telling a stranger all of your secrets, being so open with someone you don't know, and that can deter people from starting. Or even worse, some people can have a bad experience if they meet someone, a therapist who really didn't align with them, and then after they feel like, oh, that was just what therapy is, that terrible experience that I had. And it really is like finding friends or finding a relationship or a good doctor and stuff like that, a good massage therapist. It's all the same. You've got to try a lot of different therapists. you got to talk to a lot of people and see what feels right for you. And that might just be a lot of consultations and kind of seeing if the person seems like a good fit. But it also just like dating might require a bit of commitment and then realizing, okay, it didn't work out, but that doesn't mean that therapy as a whole isn't for you. It just means that maybe that therapist didn't fit for you. And when I say that a therapist didn't fit for you, it's not necessarily that they're a bad therapist. They can be the absolute best therapist for one person, but just really, really not work for your style. So I think that's super important to think about and to to keep in mind because, yeah, like I said before, we can kind of wholly apply the um, negative experience and say, okay, therapy isn't for me when in reality it's just maybe the type of therapy or even just the person. And so I, I definitely think that's an important thing to keep in mind because I don't think it's something that we talk about that much, the the testing out process that that happens when you're looking for a therapist. I also think that sometimes therapists serve a specific purpose for you and a specific time in your life. You go through that time together and you learn what you can from them and they help you see certain things, but then maybe that person has provided what they could for you and it's okay to move on after that. It's okay to move on and find somebody else. It's okay to take a break and then maybe come back, checking in with yourself throughout the therapy process and being honest with how much are you getting out of this now. I think I'll definitely touch on the role of the client as well, but just if we're speaking from the role of the therapist, it's it's okay to notice that maybe a person really, really helped you for the first six months, but then after that, It feels like you're kind of at a point where it's not going to work anymore. At the same time, it could also just be a point where you're plateauing and you're doing okay. You're doing fine. You're not doing worse. You're not doing better. And then if you keep going, if you keep working at it, then potentially you'll get to that point where you're not no longer plateauing. You're starting to improve. So I think that all these experiences should be normalized and talked about when we think about therapy. Sorry, I got a little bit off track. <laughs> um, but yes, psychology today is where I would recommend finding a therapist. Um, kind of similar is average cost and time commitment. So I'd say there's a huge range in the cost of therapy, anywhere from like $90 an hour to three, $400. It all depends. Um, if you're seeing a psychologist, a social worker, a psychotherapist, and I, this is my personal opinion, I don't think that one type of therapist is better than another. I don't think a psychologist is better than a psychotherapist. I don't think a social worker is better than a psychotherapist. I think that the actual therapist is more important and how much of a fit they are to you as a client. So um, I think you can find someone at a lower price range who's equally or even more effective for you than someone at a really high 
price range. Obviously, if you're dealing with more complex issues, maybe some PTSD or trauma, addictions, or things like psychosis, things that are a little bit more complex in nature, then maybe you do want to find a specialist and specialists do tend to be a little bit more on the expensive side. But depending what you're looking for, you can find things with a lot of range. I also think that it's really important for me to mention the free resources. And there's another question. There's a lot of free resources around Toronto or or just in general that people can access. I think one thing to be aware of is if you're a student, if you're in university, you will likely have therapy services covered. Also, if you're an employee at a company, you most likely have some sort of mental health coverage. So that's really, really important to look into as well, because this is literally money that is free for you to use and your company is already paying for this insurance so might as well take advantage of it. With that it's very important to look into what services specifically are covered. Some insurances cover social workers, others don't. Some cover uh, only psychologists or psychiatrists. Do that research before but definitely take advantage of what is already free for you to do. Um, There is also free resources around the city. I did a partnership with Luminous. If you Google that, they really connect people with free resources and, and just different resources, group therapies around the city. So I would definitely look into that. I also had a question about free resources. So I wanted to tell you guys about some of the ones I know. Mind Beacon is more affordable, I would say, or better help. Mind Relief is covered by OHIP. Bounce Back as well is free for all Canadians. And then there are apps that you can also look into. There's the CBT Diary app, which is free and same with MindShift CBT. And also just going to your doctor and asking for a community referral. They can set you up with any groups or any therapies that would be helpful to you and specific to what you need. I also wanted to shout out Black Therapy List, um, which helps people connect with Black therapists. Second part of that question was time commitment. I think this is very different for each person, but I do think that you need to give therapy at least five sessions to see any sort of growth from it. I think that sometimes, yeah, you do have a problem that just needs solving. And so it can be successful in one or two sessions. I think that's more rare than not. But I think that if you're going to try and look for long-term change, long-term improvements, then giving it at least five sessions, I would say probably more than that. And seeing your therapist pretty regularly. So at the beginning, I always tell my clients, try and book sessions every week or every two weeks so that you can kind of get the ball rolling. You can feel excited about the process and and not have to just catch your therapist up for the first 20 minutes of the session. So if you're seeing someone regularly, then you can keep the check-ins really short and focus most of the sessions on the problems at hand and really get deep into things. It's also super important in terms of like your level of comfortability. So the more comfortable you get, the deeper you're probably going to go. It's 100% normal to take some time to open up to your therapist. I mean, obviously, when you're going into therapy, you know you're going to be talking about deep stuff. So it's also okay to, to open up right away. But if you feel those blocks as you're talking to somebody, that is normal. As much as it's a therapist, it's still a stranger. So it is normal for certain barriers to come up as you're speaking to somebody and and hesitations. You have to develop that trust still. So I think the more commitment you can give, the more of a trusting relationship you can develop. And, and I definitely think that 
putting your sessions quite close together, even if it's every two weeks, is super helpful for the development of that trust. I definitely understand that money is most often a a barrier for most people. And so, yeah, I also think it's important for therapists to understand that and to keep that in mind if you tell them, I can't see you. 20 sessions I can only see you seven sessions and to have that transparency with your therapist about how much time you can give then they can help you set up some reasonable expectations for your goals and figure out how often you should see each other I think expectations are super important because if you go into therapy thinking I want to fully improve my life I want to work on five different goals but I can only go to five therapy sessions. That is a really, really big expectation to have for yourself. And so you're probably going to see therapy as a failure overall if you don't meet all those five goals in five sessions. Maybe in five sessions, you can work on one or two of those goals, but you can see a lot of improvement in them. And so by managing the expectations at the beginning, you can see therapy as a successful experience overall. And by the way, that strategy that I just used there of of setting up expectations for yourself in order to meet goals and then feeling happy and proud of yourself for meeting those goals is one I use with my clients all the time because I think that happens a lot in life. We set really, really high expectations for ourselves and then when we don't meet them, we feel discouraged, we feel unmotivated and we don't continue in our work. So definitely managing your expectations with yourself, with your therapist is super, super important. The next question I have is how do you know when a therapist is the right fit? So I think that this is very, very important. As I said before, I think that when you know, you know, (laughs) but personally, my opinion on a good fit would be someone that you feel comfortable with, someone that you feel doesn't judge you and is, is really listening and taking into account what you have said your needs are. I think every client comes into therapy with different needs. Some people really want to be challenged, want to problem solve, uh, want to stay in the moment. Other people really want to go into their past traumas and their childhood and talk about that. And I think both things are important, talking about past, talking about present, but I think it's, it's most important that your therapist is listening to what you need and what you want while at the same time challenging you. And when I say listening to what you want, I don't think it necessarily means letting you kind of just go off and talk about your day and not really go into deeper things because although I have had clients who want to do that, if their goal coming into therapy was to make some big changes, then I also think it's my job as a therapist to help them get there as much as possible. It is good to, ch- to challenge your clients, right? To to help them see things that maybe they're not seeing, to question their lines of thinking. And I think that if you're just trying to please your clients all the time, not really helping them grow, then you're doing them a disservice. So, so it's listening to what their needs are while also keeping in mind the wider goals or the bigger goals for therapy, I think. That's definitely an important thing as well, setting out your goals at the beginning of the sessions, whether you do it with a therapist. I personally do it with my clients, but if your therapist doesn't, at least having your own goals in your mind of what you want to achieve from therapy and sharing with your therapist what they are and making sure that you're keeping them in focus and over time that you are meeting them. Okay, so this question also goes along with kind of finding a therapist and and making sure they're a good fit. This person asked, how do I trust therapy again after a traumatic experience? This is a really, really important one because believe it or not, I have had many clients 
tell me about previous traumatic therapy experiences. Even in my intake form, I, I write, I ask clients to describe their previous therapy. And in the first session, I always talk to them about it. And it is so common. Unfortunately, it is so, so common. And again, this might be just simply because the therapist wasn't a good fit. Can be because the client wasn't in a place that was open to share at that point. And also be because some people, as much as I hate to say it, some therapists aren't great. Just like any other job, there can be therapists who aren't that kind or that empathetic or maybe are in a bad place in their life and struggle to to really connect with the client and listen to the client and trust the client and that can be the most invalidating thing going to a therapy experience and and sharing something that's deeply traumatic deeply personal and being invalidated being told I've had clients tell me that their therapist said that you don't have a problem you don't need to be here or be really honest and straight up before trust was developed in a way that felt really invalidating and and almost rude yeah unfortunately a lot more common than I would have thought I think trusting after being hurt is a human struggle that most of us can relate to it's the same as like how do I get back on that horse after I've fallen off how do I date again after after being heartbroken? How do I trust friends when I've grown up in an environment that was toxic and abusive? I think it's really, really hard. So I think that's the first thing that's really important. I'm going to use a therapy tactic here and validate your feelings. It makes sense that you're struggling with starting therapy again because of this bad experience. But I think just in the same way as all of those things that I just mentioned, applying what you felt in that terrible experience to future experiences is adaptive because it kind of stops you from getting hurt. But at the same time, it can be limiting in that you feel too scared to to do something that might be really helpful and might be really life-changing. I think it's important to express and tell your therapist about your previous experience and gauge their reaction. What do they think of that therapist's approach? What do they do to make you feel comfortable again? Asking those questions either like in the free consultation or in the first session, I think will give you a really big sense of what is this therapist like? And then as you go through the sessions, mentioning these things again, if it really impacted you unpacking it, talking about how you felt and and treating it as, as an experience that's significant enough to talk about because it is. And I think as with everything, it's it's okay to take things slow if you're feeling nervous about it, to take time before you disclose the really big things and, and kind of testing the waters with some smaller things. And kind of another therapy tactic of exposure, sometimes it is just trying things and showing yourself that it is safe, that it can be positive, that it can be helpful. So it's kind of putting yourself in that situation again and letting yourself be disproven. Because right now in your mind, you might think therapy is negative, therapy is harmful. That's kind of the association, the belief that's going on inside of your head. And it's about questioning that belief if you're feeling called to doing it again and challenging that and then adding to your definition of therapy is, yes, sometimes it can be harmful and hurtful, but sometimes it can be amazing and liberating and life-changing. And so I think it is a challenge and it is hard to put yourself in that position again, but I also think it can have really, really, really great benefits. Okay, so the next question is all about what type of therapy to pick. So you may have heard that there are many, many different types of therapies. There's psychodynamic, there's cognitive behavioral, there's narrative, there is many different types of therapies out there that you can pick from. 
and I will not be going into the details of all of the different types of therapy because there are so, so many different ones and you can definitely find better descriptions than I'm able to describe verbally online. But I think the important thing is doing the research and figuring out what feels like it would work best for you learn about the different types of therapies and and try and find somebody who feels in alignment with you just just their approach some therapists are super purists with their approaches so they'll be a cbt only therapist or a EMDR therapist, family systems therapist. And and so they'll stay strictly within that sphere while others will kind of pull from different things. You'll notice on their profile, maybe they'll say CBT, but they'll also say DBT and trauma-informed and mindfulness-based and narrative therapy trained. So kind of depends on what you're sort of feeling and what you're thinking. Um, I'm personally someone who primarily works from a cognitive behavioral therapy standpoint, just because the agency and the private practice that I work for uses that approach. But I also tend to pull from different approaches in my practice because I think that people can benefit from different things. And I think that there's many ways to get to that same result. So I would say read a little bit in their bio on their Psychology Today profile will tell you everything you need to know. And then do a little bit of personal research to see if that sounds interesting or good for you and and ask them if they're very pure in their modality or if they are flexible um, throughout their practice and kind of pick what feels most right to you I'd say okay the next question is tips and tricks how do you get the most out of it I love this one I think how you get the most out of therapy is being open being honest and applying what you talk about in session after session so a lot of the time you can have a really cathartic really amazing session where you uncover all of these beliefs all of these thoughts all of these reasons why you're struggling and maybe their origin but then a session's over and people can kind of treat it like okay like I'll see you in two weeks and completely forget about everything we talked about so I think it's really important to try and apply all of those things into your life I sometimes finish sessions talking about that saying how can we apply what we talked about today in your life and then as a client making sure you do that and having accountability to yourself to actually try to question and try to to bring those changes up. I also think a really amazing strategy for that and also just in general is journaling and writing things down between sessions. So you can either be journaling about how it was to try those things that we talked about in therapy in real life and also writing down any other things that pop up for you. So maybe as you're talking in session, it can be sometimes hard to think about, okay, what did this actually feel like? But spending time during your regular life reflecting on that and writing that down to talk about it in therapy I think is super, super important. Yeah, I think, I think, like I said, honesty is really, really important. We all have people-pleasing tendencies and we want to, especially if we have a good relationship and like our therapist, we want to show them, oh, we're doing so well. This is working so well. And, and although it is important to celebrate those improvements, if there are improvements, it's also important to be honest with yourself and honest with your therapist about what's really going on. Yeah, don't try and don't try and please your therapist. We want to help and we want to be there to support you. And it is impossible for us to mind read as much as people sometimes assume <laughs> that we can. So sharing what's really happening with you and, and how the experience is going and, and those really, really hard things is really key. 
Another question I got is, how do you block yourself off emotionally during a therapy session with a client? And kind of similar saying, is it difficult to disassociate after tough sessions? Um, It can be. Truthfully, it can be really difficult. I think hopefully most people who get into this type of work are empathetic people and people who love people and want to see them be happy. And that's definitely the case for me. So it can be really hard. I think kind of speaking more to the first question, how do you disassociate emotionally? I think it's really important not to disassociate emotionally. As challenging as that is, it's important to have boundaries, but at the same time, be empathetic and be open and see each person's problems as super important and super real and legitimate because yeah I can go from a session where someone is speaking about severe child abuse and then go to the next session where someone's speaking about being stressed for an exam they have the next week and it might be kind of tempting to say one situation is harder than the other and maybe objectively it is it is also really important as a therapist to see everybody's problems as valid and real and so um I guess that kind of I went kind of a different direction there but I think in all cases it's important not to disassociate and be emotionally available and present for the person sharing that being said I was worried about what if I get emotional what if I start crying what if I can't deal with what the person is saying and I think that we have an ability to get through those situations with strangers I think it's there's a reason why we don't work with friends and family as clients because it would be very hard to be subjective and objective in those situations so I think keeping empathy while also prioritizing the client's needs as the main and most important thing is important I think if we close off emotionally then the client can sense it because You can tell when someone really cares about what you're saying and you can tell when someone doesn't, even if they're saying the exact same thing. So I try my best to stay open emotionally while at the same time not making it about myself. And after those really hard sessions, I need to have some sort of like energetic release of everything that happened. So whether that is taking a bath, going on a walk, going on a run, doing some form of exercise, literally dancing, (laughs) something to kind of get the energy out of my system because we do hold so much in our bodies. And um, after listening to someone share something that hits home for you, it's important to be mindful of how that stays within you. Also deep breathing, meditating, those are ways that I cope with it. And I also think one of the very beautiful things that I've noticed being a therapist and just working with others is that seeing people go through really sad things does give you a lot of perspective in life. Because first of all, you see their strength, you see their resiliency, and you see their ability to still have joy regardless. And that gives you a lot of hope. And you also get perspective on not fixating on the little things as much. You you see the bigger perspective on things. And so I find that's a really beautiful thing and trying to focus on gratitude as much as possible within my own life and and sharing that with clients as well is is so important because having a gratitude perspective can change the way that you see and perceive anything that happens in your life so I think I think those are really big things for me next question is kind of similar um how do you find the work-life balance so how I kind of spoke to the boundaries before I think yeah you have to set boundaries for yourself Uh, You have to know your limits and you have to learn from 
different experiences. So yeah, certain days I found I would overschedule myself and finish the day off feeling really tired, uh, really, really, really drained. And knowing that, learning from those experiences and not repeating the same mistakes. Yeah, I think socially we can always be in this kind of work, work, work mode. But I think it's really important for everybody. Obviously for me, it is important for me to be like emotionally regulated to see my clients. But I think everybody should listen to their bodies and adjust their work schedules in order to feel happy because personally I think that's the most important thing but yeah it's kind of listening to that and then also noticing like how am I spending my time and what is that making me feel I wrote a list a while back this is something I would do with a client but I, I did it for myself I made like a chart and it was things that give me energy things that take my energy away and I went through daily tasks that I do all the time or just things that I do throughout my week and I put them on either side of the column and it helped me gain awareness on which things in my life give me more energy and which things drain me and I just focus on adding as many things as possible that give me energy and taking away the things that drain me or minimizing the amount that I have to do the things that drain me and it can also be doing things for like a certain amount of time for example watching like one or two episodes of a show gives me energy makes me feel relaxed watching tv all day drains me Um, So that's just like a simple example, but basically keeping awareness of that in order to feel energized and happy throughout my work week and and feel like I'm having work-life balance, even if the time spent working is pretty similar by pairing it with like an activity that makes me feel energized. It can totally change how I feel at the end of my day or do therapists see therapists because they take on so much of other people's problems. Yes. (laughs) I think uh, a lot of therapists see therapists. I have seen a therapist. I'm currently between therapists, definitely wanting to start another one. Um, But I also see a clinical supervisor. So they really, really help me out with my cases and emotionally check in after um, heart sessions. I think that's super important to rely on others and to take away the, the heaviness of things by sharing. Um, I also find my other social work colleagues, friends that I've made are really helpful in this as well and and sort of relating to each other and the heaviness of this work. And I also find doing other things like I recently went to get a Reiki session done. I'm going to do an episode on this, by the way, guys, but doing things like that, doing yoga, doing activities and, and de-stressing um, in that way, I find to be super helpful as well but definitely I think it's very normal for therapists to see therapists and I know that uh, in some places in Argentina it's like almost mandatory for therapists to see therapists so yeah what do you do when you feel like you've lied to or aren't digging deep enough with a therapist I would say start with self-reflection why are you lying to your therapist why are you going deep enough with your therapist (laughs) I think first of all is kind of asking yourself those questions Is it because you don't feel comfortable with a therapist? Is it because you don't feel comfortable with your actions? Or is it because you don't feel comfortable with what you're going through? I think either way, those are are super valid reasons, but important reasons to to reflect. There's a lot a therapist can do to make you feel comfortable to probe and ask questions and get to that deeper level. But I also think there is a big responsibility of that on the client of, of challenging yourself to go there. And I know it's so hard. I know it's so difficult. And I think it's fair for you to take time to get there. But I think that if you feel like you're lying to your therapist or not getting deep enough with them, try and be open. 
And this might be a question of if you're really saying, no, 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 I can't, then this might be an indication that the therapist isn't a right fit for you. But I also think it might be worth challenging yourself and seeing how the therapist reacts once you do open up. Because chances are they probably sense it as well. They sense either dishonesty or superficial nature to your to your sessions. And so they should be trying to probe you and ask you what's really going on. But it's also important for you to take ownership over over your sessions and over your money and your time and and really go for it. Everything will be okay. That's my words of encouragement. Everything will be okay. It often feels scarier than it is. And I promise you, they are not judging you. Do you think clients with anxiety do best with more regular appointments? I do. <laughs> um, this one has a very direct answer. I think that more regular appointments, like I mentioned earlier, are just super beneficial, especially at the beginning. I think it's totally fine to space your appointments out later on, but I think at the beginning it's important to have regular appointments so that you can really start getting to know what's going on, where's that anxiety coming from, strategies to deal with it, and so that you can start seeing some benefits and reinforce your efforts in going to therapy because it is an effort. It is a challenge to go to therapy, and the fact that you're already doing it is awesome, but it probably makes it harder to feel like you need to go back if you're not getting any benefits from it yet so by going more often more regularly then you can start kind of feeling more more motivated to to continue and you can see that your anxiety decreases because simply also having an hour to talk about what's going on with you if this is something that you don't always do can be super relieving and alleviating after struggling or after a long day. Tell us a story that affirmed why you love being a therapist. I have so many, thankfully. Probably the sessions where I notice a really big shift in someone. That's very general. But when we reach a moment and they've really realized something, I think it's so, so rewarding. Also, like I'm more specific, obviously, like I can't share any details, but a client with OCD um, met like really incredible strides started off not being able to really leave the house because of COVID fears and then ended up working at a COVID unit at a hospital. So that was a pretty rewarding and amazing experience to see them grow. And also, or when people challenge their own thoughts and beliefs in a session without me questioning it. So they're like, oh, I know, I know. Like, that's not necessarily true. When they start applying the strategies that we've talked about together in front of me without me saying anything, ugh, so, so rewarding. Okay, the last question I'm going to answer because she's getting quite long. Advice for fellow therapists. You got it. You're amazing. You can do it. You're dope. <laughs> but I guess my advice would be something that all the therapists out there listening are going to roll their eyes at me. But I talked about a lot of my program, self-care. I think this is absolutely vital. Like I would not be able to do what I do at all, at all, or be the person that I want to be without my self-care. I make this like a number one priority in my life. Wake up and have a routine that I stick to. I make sure that I'm getting outside, getting my walking in, eating healthy, getting enough sleep. All of these things I've realized are vital. I would do these kind of like sometimes yes, sometimes no. But once I started being a therapist, I realized this has to be kind of a consistent thing for me because if not, I won't be able to emotionally handle everything. So I think just prioritizing yourself, getting what you need first 
is so important. It is not selfish to take care of yourself. It is absolutely vital. So just a reminder, do the things that make you feel good. The last thing that I will share, there were a couple other questions, but I feel like this is kind of enough for now, is something that somebody wrote, which I think is amazing and a really important strategy that I use as well with my clients. And it's seeing your anxiety or or whatever it is that you're going through, OCD, depression, as your friend. And I know that sounds weird, but it's it's seeing it as something that's trying to keep you safe, something that's trying to protect you. And also recognizing that it will be a process to accept losing them. So I think this is a, a really important thing because we sometimes say like, why the hell do I still have this anxiety? Why do I still have this urge to break up with someone as soon as I get close to them. And oftentimes this came from a place of protection. It came from a place of trying to help you. And for a long time it did, but now you're noticing that it's not something that helps you anymore. It's not something that's adaptive anymore. And so first of all, not seeing it as something absolutely terrible, but seeing its role in your life, but then also saying, thank you for your help, but I no longer need you anymore. And letting yourself have time to accept and process losing that part of yourself because it's, it is a part of yourself, but it's also okay to let go of it. So I think that's a beautiful note to end at. I hope that you all found this helpful and interesting and if you have any questions about this at all or any other questions that I didn't get to you can dm me and I will either record a voice note or send you a message and and let you know what I think again this is like all my opinions so take it always with a grain of salt but it's my opinions that I've learned in my one year as a therapist so uh, hopefully it had some value to you and as always share with a friend if they're thinking about starting therapy or have any questions about therapy and follow me on Instagram at don't worry it's confidential and that you have a beautiful and restful week uh love you all and I will see you next time bye